Amarillo, and it's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive, give or take, the hour for lunch that we stopped in Lovick for at Cane's. Anybody eat at Raising Cane's? Yes. Hallelujah. That is almost as blessed chicken as Chick-fil-A. Almost. Not quite. Just doesn't have the anointing on it. You know what I mean? So um, it's pretty good. The sauce is what makes Cane's. Okay? I'm digressing, but it's worthy. It's worthy of digression. Uh, anyways, we went up there. We, we rolled out in like six vehicles and packed to the brim in each one with kiddos and, and luggage and all sorts of cones and balls and instrument stuff and just to go up there and do camp. And when we get there, you know, it's a, it's always a crazy time when you first get to camp because registration's happening. You know, you got music still needs to be set up. You got sound equipment still needs to be checked. You got kiddos to make sure they get their stuff out of your truck so that they don't forget their underwear or something during the week of camp. And you're like, bro, you have worn the same pair all week. Pray for this kid. You know what I mean? So it's just a crazy time. But I'm going to tell you, when we got to camp, I just was really excited. I was really excited the days leading up to. um, You know, I hadn't done all the work work that Becca did. You guys will meet Becca here in a minute. But um, I was super excited because... As many of you know, I had transitioned last year just after camp. That following Monday, I started a new job full-time in the oil field. And this year, I didn't know if I could go to camp because I now have this restriction called vacation hours. And I had to earn them for every hour I worked. So I was like, what is this adulthood thing? This is ridiculous. I was used to vacation being like, hey, boss, I got to go. And then John's like my other boss, and I was like, we're going together, so we're all good there. I don't have to take vacation there. You know what I mean? And so the restrictions hit me, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can go to camp. And then I requested, and it got pushed and pushed and pushed. And then finally, I guess I had worked enough, and up three weeks before camp, it got approved. And so uh, I called Becca, and she started crying. She was just like, oh, Lord, we need John. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we had a really good time. Um but I went to camp and I was super excited. And the first day went really well. You know, we, the power only went out on us once. Right as we got all the sound system set, somebody plugged in the uh, lights in the wrong spot. And it tripped the breaker. And it shut the whole power system down. And so we had to figure that out. But, you know, no big deal. Um, Kevin, our sound guy for the week, was excited about that, as you can imagine. Right, Dan? You know how that pain goes. So um, if you're wondering what's wrong with my voice, my sole mission was to make as many kids hoarse as humanly possible. But when you do that, when you set out for that endeavor, it just so happens you become hoarse. And so it kind of backfired on me there a little bit. But I had a great time um, to kind of give you the layout of the land so you might be able to follow along with some of our testimonies. Here is every morning we woke up. I woke up at 645. Went to a meeting till 7.05, and then at 7.15, we were down on the basketball courts doing morning games, okay? First game was human caterpillar. Everybody's butts were sore on that one, okay? Just like sitting on the ground scooting with your butt, okay? It was a lot of fun. The gym floor was spotless after that. I tell you what, moms, you might see some, like, dirty shorts and something. Don't worry. It's just dirt from the gym floor, okay? Uh, so we would wake up. We'd do that. And then about 745, 750s, we would have a little devotional. Uh, one of the nation leaders or myself would lead that. And then they'd go to breakfast. 
after breakfast would be morning worship. Okay, so about 8.50, they'd meet at the door. We'd make them yell real loud and try to make them lose their voice. Then we'd make them come in, make them yell even louder, do dance parties, goofy games, right? And then we'd do prayer for the nations. And then at this point, we, we would hear testimonies about North Korea and Afghanistan because North Korea, South America, and Indonesia were last year's nations. So every day we gave an update of what God's been doing in those nations from last year's prayers. And then every day we would pray for the new nations, which is Mexico, Somalia, and Afghanistan. So next year, we're going to give updates of what God's been doing over the, this next course to uh, show them that prayer is powerful. And it shifts the things in the atmospheres. And when you pray, the enemy has nothing against it. Because all of heaven's armies move at the sound of your voice. Because God has given you authority. We'll get into that. Um, so we did that. Morning goes. About 10.30ish. Somewhere in that neighborhood. The the adults, the youth, and the kids were all separate at this point. And the adults would go upstairs and we would hear from Pastor Bruce, which is out of Abilene. He's a Messianic rabbi. Really cool stuff. Pastor John, John Wymore, which is our beloved pastor. And he did two days, right? I only got to hear one because of nation games, but that was really good too, really powerful, and it tied into what Bruce said. But after that, you would do lunch, or no, sorry, you would do family time, which is where the whole camp, adults, kids, and youth, do activity together, okay? We felt last year that we needed to have some sort of family time with fun involved. And so we started that last year, and with this year it went really well. Joe, which is the new youth pastor at New Hope in Lubbock, led that. So um, I wasn't there for those because all of the nation leaders had to go set up for nation games. 1230 was lunch. Right after that was nation rallies. We'd get up, get crazy. People had face paint on, and then we'd run down to the field, play all these games, uh, try not to kill anybody. We'd break some toes or something like that. Yeah, one of the kids, he got healed, though. That was crazy. He did get healed. Um, Sorry, I'm all over the place. And then at 3 o'clock free time, dinner. Evening worship, lights out. Okay, so that's the schedule till 11. Except for the last night, it was lights out at 1230. Appreciate that, Jared, Pastor Jared. Um, so that was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So as you can imagine, um, you're getting up at 6, 7 o'clock. All the kids got up when I left the room, and they're going till like, full throttle until 11 o'clock that night. And then when we get in the room, nobody wants to sleep. They got these weird games they want to play. And uh, and connect and talk about whatever, whatever. And so it was an all-day thing. And so by, like, day two, we were tired. By day – oh, I played the games in the dorms. Don't get me wrong. I was all about it. Um, there's going to be some confession that has to come out. <laughs> but not right now. Uh, not right now. We'll do that privately later on. <laughs> But it was a lot of fun. And so the theme was marked, talking about being marked by heaven, that you are a chosen people. And so I just wanted to give you guys what it looked like, how tired. Uh, Becca was our, like, administrator over all. Becca right here. She was our administrator over all the activities. Like, unofficially, but definitely officially, because camp would not happen without Becca. I'm going to honor her right now because literally she, like, Put together all the morning games, put together all the nation games, put together the schedule for like how camp's gonna go, everything, okay? And then she's 
has a job too and does all that. And so I just wanted to honor you and say thank you. We appreciate you. Becca is from Fresh Fire up in Lubbock. She's one of the college students up there. And um, she's actually the niece of Don. So there's the, the tie there too. So we love Becca. If Becca wasn't there, it would not be good. I'll tell you that much. So praise. All right. So without further ado, we're going to start the testimony times. We're going to do adults and children or adults and youth. And then I'm going to give a little message to kind of give you the overall view at the end of what camp was about from my perspective. So students, we'll start with you guys. Yeah, this is a volunteer moment. You know, like those servant tickets. Oh, before, get yourselves ready because it's not going to take very long. I want to brag on Paula. She's not here this morning, I don't think. Paula, we had these like little tickets, raffle tickets that we'd give out all week to students who we saw serving. And by serving a pastor or an adult, you could get a ticket and they were worth 10,000 points. And uh, that was the game changer, let me tell you, when it came to the final numbers. It was a game changer. But uh, the students could earn a servant ticket by serving. Paula, I'm going to brag on her, day one, before the even servant tickets started that night, she was already cleaning up tables, taking dishes, stacking chairs, and just serving people. All week, other people from other churches were coming up to me and like, that girl can serve. That girl works. And Paula, you know, if you know Paula, she's just like, I'm just doing my thing. You know, I'm just wiping down tables. I'm stacking some chairs. And she's just being Paula. But, man, she put the team, she was on Mexico's team. She put it on her back, had like multiple, multiple servant tickets every night, turning them in. She was keeping them in the runnings for first place, um, which that didn't happen in the end. But, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to brag on Paula. She did an amazing job serving, and it wasn't for tickets. Like, she just did it out of her heart, and we had a, a reward there for her. And uh, it eventually caught on the last day. Nobody did tickets. Hey, Paula, if you're watching this, um, we love you. And uh, it caught on at the end. Like, last day, we didn't give out tickets, and kids were still picking up chairs, wiping down tables, volunteering to take people's trash, getting people refills, holding the doors. It was a, it was a lesson in, in servanthood and that we were trying to, to teach the kids, and uh, we really wanted to see what would happen once we took the tickets away. But she kept going. Some of the kids literally were like carrying stuff up to another worship center because some craziness happened. And they're like, hey, do you know where the, the Texas flag is? We hid the Texas flag all week. And we're like, no. And we have like arms full of stuff. Alarms going off in our head like servant tickets, dude. You can get like an easy 10,000 points right now if you just grab this. They're like, okay, thanks. <laughs> like, all right, still didn't get that one. They come up, like, can I take your plate? Yeah, but not for a servant ticket. Oh, okay. And they just throw it back on the, like, keep praying for that one, Jesus. Lord help him. He is not getting it. So it was a lot of fun, but Paula did an amazing job. I just want to, all of them did an amazing job, but I wanted to brag on Paula since she's not here. So love you. All right. I stalled for you. You're up. Cooper's up first. Give it up for Cooper. Okay, so me and Steven went a day early because we are adults, and uh, we uh, we got the opportunity. Steven was a nation leader, so uh, 
It gave him and me the opportunity to go up early and help pack a trailer full of equipment and take it down early and help set up for that. And that was an interesting viewpoint to me because I always come with the group and we always show up like after a four-hour drive and just show up, we're tired, get registration, and then we go worship or do our thing. And uh, I never really appreciated how much work really went into setting up all the speakers, making sure the projector worked and all that. And so I got to see that, and it really, like, I feel like it humbled me because I had to go through all that and help set up all of this stuff and carry things from the trailer and then plug things in and then remove things because I did it wrong or whatever. Uh, and so that was a really cool part of camp to me. And uh, the main thing that hit me at camp was... Uh, was uh, John Wymore went over uh, covenants and new covenants, so I was able to understand what the original covenant between us and God was and understand how we're new covenants. And so it, like, changed my... I had a paradigm shift to where I, like, see how all of us, like, interact with each other and with God and how that's, like, a new, like... I don't know, it's just like a new relationship, a new view on a relationship between me and God. And uh, me personally, I've uh, been like, I've been connected to God, I've been close to Him, but I don't feel like, I didn't feel like I was moving anywhere. And so uh, we had a prophecy night one night, and uh, I went up to Pastor Bruce, and he prophesied over me, and he said, uh, like, exactly what I needed to hear. He said uh, that, he saw me like in a boat with my oars up that I was there with God, but I wasn't moving and that I just needed to take a step of faith and that he would tell me if I was right or wrong where I'm stepping, but I need to make the first move. And so that was a really, uh, that was a strong point that hit me at camp. Thank you. Man. Cooper was kind of in a hybrid state, you know, as a senior coming out of high school, you can go to camp as a camper or you can go to camp as an adult. And uh, Stephen went as a, or not Stephen, Cooper went as a camper, but quickly just like stepped in to leadership and stepped into being an adult there. And he was watching kids, correcting kids, like setting the example. And so I really appreciated Cooper's leadership, especially in the dorms, because I was tired and Cooper's the one that's like, hey, go to sleep. Be quiet. John, get in your bed. You know, like, so somebody needed to be the adult, and I'm glad Cooper was there to do it. You know what I mean? So we love you, Cooper. All right, who's next? Kennedy. So Beecham's going first. We're the only brave one, so. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Kind of. Anyways. Sorry, I have my book up here because I didn't want to forget anything. Um, camp was amazing. I'm going into my senior year, so it's, like, kind of bittersweet. I'm, like, scared. But it's okay. I had a really amazing time at camp. I think this was, like, one of my favorite years for sure. And I was kind of, I'm not going to be honest, I was expecting, like, this big, like, breakthrough. And I was, like, waiting for God to tell me something. But um, a couple weeks before, I was at Brew Street, and I was with my friends, and I was drinking coffee. And this lady came up to me, and she was like, like, I know this is weird, but somebody has to tell, like, God told me to tell you this. And she was just telling me that God said that I'm going to 
go walk through doors and I'm going to change lives and I'm going to shake nations. And like I heard, I was like, oh, cool. Like, that's not true. Like, whatever. And so when I was coming to camp, I had this expectation, like, God's going to talk to me and like, I'm ready to take it to heart. And every single time that I went up to go get prayed by somebody, they would always stop and halfway through the prayer and they'd be like, I'm shaking so bad. Okay. They, I would like, they would stop halfway through the prayer and they'd be like, somebody spoke to you. This happened three times. They said, somebody spoke to you and you need to believe it. And that's why I was like, okay. So glad I wrote down what she said to me. So I, I just need to focus on that. And so believing God and what it's going to do. And then I have one more little thing and it's just super small. Um, Psalms 139, 18 and 17. Uh, we had a little group meeting. I don't know what you call it. It was just a couple of us, and we were just sitting there, and we were all praying, and we read Psalms 139. We just read a big chunk of it. And this part stuck out to me because it stuck out to me my whole life. It says, um, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. When, when I'm to count them, they outnumber the grains of sand. And when I'm awake, I'm still with you. And I remember being a little girl and hearing this because I've heard this before, and I loved it. And I'm just like, I remember being little and thinking, like, that's a lot of sand. Like, if you think I'm on the beach, that's a lot of sand. And when we were in our quiet time, this scripture came up, and I started thinking about it. I'm like, it's weird, because, like, that's just the surface. All that sand is just the surface. There's so much more beneath and into the ocean and just miles and miles. And I thought that was a really amazing. So this just a little bit. <laughs> I'm shaking. Good job. I'm a, I think I'm going to brag on every one of them. But Kennedy is like such a worshiper. If you've ever watched her in worship, like it's so sincere. But Kennedy also has a call on her life to missions. And she's we've spoke about this before. And so I think you heard the voice of the Lord. You need to believe it. You know what I mean? But it's awesome. Who's up next? John Harper. Just right down the row. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that up. Um, Okay, so at camp, like they were saying earlier, um, not all of us fully came back. Um, (laughs) So uh, me and my friend Braden, who broke his foot while he was there, uh, we were talking about it um, and how we had all gotten hurt at camp. Um, Like, I got my fingers messed up. I stepped on glass. I lost my glasses. These are my new ones. Um, <laughs> Brandon broke his foot. He's had a headache all week. And uh, Mandy came up and she was talking to us. She's a camp nurse and uh, Stephen's mom. And she was telling us that, you know, when things like that happen, it's the enemy coming at you because you're in such a good place with the Lord that he feels the need to attack you. When you're at your best and you're feeling amazing, you're on top of the world and you're right with the Lord, that's when he wants to come in. And she was telling us when when you feel the worst and you feel like you don't want to go to church and you feel just awful, tore down, rock bottom, that's when you need to be singing his praises the most. And I think that really hit home for me because a lot of the times it's really easy just to kind of sit down and take it and lay back and just wait for everything to be over. But I think what we all need to do is stand up and fight it and praise the Lord because he is on your side. He is called as your defender, so let him defend. Thank you. That's good. 
I'm sorry, John, for all the things I made you do this week. I will not tell any stories. I'll not tell all, any of the stories. Who's up next? I'm going to pick in three seconds. One, two, three, one. Um, so we did the prophesying thing where all the leaders got up in a row and prophesied over us. And what Ashley said to me, she was like, you have a deep desire. And I I like, I was like, I don't even know what that is. And so, um, I wanted to become a trauma surgeon, like go into the field, go into like all that and just be a trauma surgeon. And, like, uh, one thing that kept coming up in my mind this week, or, like, since camps finished, is missionary. And, like, I love going to Honduras, so I was, like, really sad that we couldn't go. And, like, after that, I was, like, I kind of want to go to Poland. And, like, I told my mom this. I'm, like, I want to go to Poland with y'all. But they're, like, that already happened. I'm, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um I'm going to really pray about that and see what God puts on my heart to go next. So, We're just going down the line now. Come on. Okay, so when we went to camp, um, I had vertigo. And so I was really mad at God. And when we did the prophetic words, um, they told me, something has been stolen from you. And you're going to get back to it, but you just need to forgive him. And I couldn't do that. So we went back to the dorms. And Spencer Spencer um, crawled up on my bed. And she was like, hey, something's wrong. You need help. <laughs> And so she held me there, and she she told me a story about how she overcame some things, and that really helped. And so the last night of camp, I was really able to open up and worship him without any mind blocks or anything. So This was Maddie's first year to go as a youth, so we were super excited to have her. She rode down. With me in the truck, we were singing Disney songs the whole way. High school musical, we were getting it. So I was super pumped to have Madison there. So, Ready? I believe in you. Where to begin? I think I'll start with I did not tackle anybody this year, and nobody went to the hospital because of me. So that was hallelujah for that. Um... Uh, on the prophecy night, I think it was Jared's wife, Christy, Kristen, something. Christy, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, she spoke over me that I was going to be the next Queen Esther, and I was going to be sitting on a throne and, like, leading people. And I just kept thinking, nope. <laughs> I will follow, but perhaps not lead, like, in front of people. And that's kind of where I kind of stumbled and God was like, I'm going to break all of your plans this week. Because I've been talking for like all year. I was like, I'm going to be a chef, going to open a restaurant. Nope. 
going to Bible school now. I kind of just thought about that. I was like, huh, oh, Bible college. Guess God says yes to that. I was thinking that I was just going to sit silently in the pew, very comfortably, maybe just chill out a little, listen to other people talk. God said, nope, vision, and then said, go talk in front of everybody in a microphone. I said, okay, I'll do this. I cried in front of everybody, and I was planning on just kind of swaying. I'm a real good swayer in worship. So I did that all week, and every time God was like, go up and dance, and I was like, no, no. And then on the last night of worship, the night we worshiped until midnight, Neftali pulled me up with her, and she said, we're going to dance. And so I was kind of dancing on the side, like, not in the pew, but next to the pew. And then we went to the front, and then I was dancing, and then I was singing, and I'm not a great singer, so I was kind of like doing it quietly, and then someone came and prayed for me, and they said, well, actually, she didn't pray for me. She just put her hands on me, started speaking in tongues, and then she said, open your mouth. So I did, and then I got my prayer language. It just, <laughs> and then I started singing very loudly, which I don't really do, and I was like, I really don't even care if I sound like a dying whale. God doesn't care if I sound like a dying whale. He just wants me to praise and worship. So I did. And I kept going. And I was like, at one point, I took off my shoes. And it was dusty. The floor was very dusty. And I sat on the ground. It was very uncomfortable. But I was just rocking back and forth and singing. And I kind of like just went into this zone where I was like, I can do this. I can break all these strongholds and I can be free. And so I broke free with the help of Mandy. Thank God for her. She helped me a lot this week. And I kind of just had this feeling like, what's the word? Like God's love filled me up so much. What's that one song we sang? The, it was bursting. It was bursting through me like a river. And it was the most amazing thing ever. And I was so happy. And I cried a lot. I laughed a little bit. Not as much as last year, but I laughed. And I just felt so happy. And I felt like other people could feel this. And I've, like last year I said, when I also spoke into the microphone... I said that our generation wouldn't be the end of the world as we know it. Like, we wouldn't be the end of all things good. We would be the beginning. And we are, because people have been getting visions of wars and battles, and it's because we're in the biggest war of our life. Like, World War II, World War I, all of that looks so small compared to what we're doing now, because it's not a fight man against man. It's... Pencil what? I don't know. Spiritual war. Okay. It's a spiritual war. And we're not fighting against each other. We're fighting against the devil. We're not just fighting for land or money or power or supplies. We're fighting for our lives and our hearts and our freedom. And we're fighting for God's love because we know it's ours. It's ours to take. But... Look away, Mom. But... (laughs) 
we haven't taken it because we're so caught up in what the devil is trying to do. And he's put these little hooks in us trying to bring us back. And God says, no, you can't take my children away from me. They are mine and you can't take them. And for so long, we just stood and let God and the devil fight over us. But now we are fighting back against the devil And it's not just God fighting for us, it's us fighting for God. We are fighting to be with him, not just him fighting to be with us. We are working for each other. And once I realized that, I was like, dang, I can't be a queen. Hallelujah. You want to keep going or how am I supposed to preach after that? You know what I mean? Jeez Louise. That's an anointing right there. You can see it all over her. Man, it's powerful. Got your mom crying over there. Hara. A pride. That's like joyful tears. She's very proud of you right now. All right. Adults, do you want to go? Becca? This is Becca from Fresh Fire. She's visiting us today. Y'all, I think anybody that's been in this church very long. Like 20 years. Okay, like how old are you? 20. Okay, Becca's 20. Her parents were a part of our church family, you know, like 25, 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was dedicated to this church. Well, you were, you were made when you were in this church because let me tell you no i'm so uh, let me t- i just want to i just want to testify to god's faithfulness i am serious because don and gina had great difficulty having children no. or i mean i mean sorry doug and Deidre. okay it's yeah it was it's don's twin brother doug and that's why i'm all messed up but okay so doug and Deidre were a part of our church family for a lot of years and they tried and tried and tried to have babies and they were unable to do that 10 years and they were here and we prayed they were on the worship team we prayed and our worship team prayed and like a a matter of a couple of months a month it was a month but this is Deidre this is Becca (laughs) Deidre's and Doug's daughter and you guys God is faithful because that miracle happened in this family. Yeah. And so I just wanted to point that out for those of you who might not know that. So here she is, this amazing woman who had so much to do with our camp. And I just wanted to connect those dots for everybody because some of you aren't aware of that. So yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. He is. He is so faithful. Um, so I am from Lubbock. I moved from Midland whenever I was one and a half and I have been, um, in Foursquare my entire life. I was at New Hope for 13 years and moved to Fresh Fire and I've been there for six years, I believe. And I have been leading in Fresh Fire since I graduated. So about two and a half years and have been involved in church camp and 
um, in charge of all of nations and games and scheduling and making sure that John Poe got there so I didn't have a mental breakdown. Uh, <laughs> no, but God is so good, y'all. And um, we did have an amazing time. There were so many things going on. If it wasn't um, in nation games or in morning service or even at lunch, um, God was just moving. Um, he was moving during um, praying for the nations. Um, I had picked out these uh, three nations since January and um, told these guys, I was like, these are our nations. These are the ones that God has called us to pray for and minister to. And he showed up. He showed up um, whenever we were. Um, we had a sewage leak. Thank you, John. <laughs> no, okay. So this man, this man over here, he called me um, like the Wednesday before we left for camp, y'all. Yes, because I was driving here for 4th of July. He called me. He's like, hey, so I um, just got off the phone with Jared. And, you know, there's like a sewage leak and it like exploded. And now we have to tear up the field and we won't get to have nation games. And you need to figure out something else. Okay, words. Okay, someone said this. Words become worlds. And thank you so much for that. <laughs> and so um, that was fun. That was very unexpected. And so we had to move for our from our tabernacle into the little meeting room where our dorms met. And um, Christy was saying, like, oh, Lord Jesus, what are you doing now? What is going to happen? What do you have us doing? We need you to sh- show up. And y'all... Y'all, Jesus showed up. <laughs> we were praying and prophesying, and it was just a guitar and and voices, all of our voices, adults, kids, youth, leaders. It was voices. And Christy was like, Becca, go get that flag. Go get that Afghanistan flag. And so we're flying this flag, and she was like, do not stop. Do not stop. I was like, okay, Mikey, my arms hurt so here. And so he was flying the, like, just having the flag waving and everything. And I heard the voice of God say, hey, you need to go to Google. Go get on your phone real fast. Don't do that in church. <laughs> go get on your phone real fast and look up Afghanistan news now. And so I did that. And I was, y'all, I was a mess. I was crying. I was like, Holy Spirit, you are amazing. And I was looking through this and it, was 24 hours prior, so the day that we had prayed. So we were worshiping on Wednesday, and this is when we prayed on Tuesday. And this happened hours after we had prayed. And there was an a article that was, Afghanistan has been in a two-day two conference with some people that they've been in war with for since 2001, I believe. And they announced that they're on the road to peace. And Ashley went over that. And um, we also, she also was ministering, and um, we had two four-square pastors or missionaries that were in the country of Afghanistan, and they were killed. And so four-square was like, we can't send anybody to Afghanistan. It's too dangerous. Um, we can't sacrifice any more lives for this. And two women, that's a big deal. Two women. Women do not have rights in that country. They are treated as slaves. They don't get to do anything. They're expected to just have babies and listen to their husbands. But two women came up to these four square leaders and was like, no, 
Absolutely not. We have to have the gospel in our nation. People have to know who Jesus is. They have to feel the Holy Spirit. They have to be baptized. They have to be anointed. They have to be loved, and they have to know what love is. And so we have two women that are in Afghanistan showing everybody what love looks like because of Jesus, and that is amazing. That is so awesome. And we are just praying for that for Mexico and Somalia and um, even Texas, the borders, everything. It's just amazing. Oh, Lord, what else happened? <laughs> um, okay, so I'll tell you part of my testimony now that I've just spoke about everybody else. <laughs> okay, so um, some of y'all know or know some of our testimony, what, like my family's testimony. And things have been crazy. I'm telling you. Jesus is just trying to, like, wreck our worlds, apparently. Um, but I have had very bad anxiety and fear and stubbornness for the last six months with everything that's been going on since December, I believe. And it's now July. Um, everything from my cousin passing away and um, from my brother's actions. A little backstory on my brother. He's 18 years old. And he is addicted to drugs and alcohol. And he's just going down the the path that's way over here. But we're believing and we're prophesying. And he has so many people praying for him. Um, and just knowing that he's going to come back and he's going to have... He's just building his testimony right now. And we know that this time next year, he's going to have this testimony. And he's going to be the one that's going and preaching to the nations. But even through... These hard times, it just got to me, and I was like, Lord Jesus, like, why? What are you doing with my family? Like, cancer, and death, and anxiety, and fear. And it's getting to my parents, too. And my littlest brother, and he just feels like he doesn't know what to do anymore. He's like, well, I just, I'm going to go get drunk. I'm going to go smoke some pot, because that's what I see my brother doing. And all I can say is he is coming back to the Lord. He's turning around and he um, has just this covering over him. And he, Jesus is covering our family because he, the enemy knows that we are on this foundation of um, our spiritual warfare is just at war pretty much. And that everything going on right now is just the enemy attacking. And it was attacking whenever we got back from camp. And I was talking to my mom about it. And she was like, yeah, like, dad's mad about this. And he's mad about the boy throwing a snake on you and whatever. <laughs> that's another that's another story. But, but I'm just saying, like, the Lord Jesus is still our God and he still reigns forever and he still has our hand over each and every place in our lives over each and every family member and each and over area that we don't even see and even with every single person in every single one of these chairs I pray that Jesus reveals something in your hearts that you don't even think was there but I have had these major major anxiety attacks for six six months because of my brother's actions. 
I was like, Jesus, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I feel like this is my fault because of things that I've done because I'm the oldest. He looked at me and he just decided to go down this path because he thought that me drinking meant that he could go drink and do it 10 times worse. And so I would get to the point where I was shaking so bad and I couldn't breathe. And I was like this. I couldn't stop. It was hours of it. Of just freaking out. And I knew. I knew that God reigned. And I knew that God was able to touch my body and make all strongholds of anxiety and fear break off. And so I went up to Ashley on Wednesday. And I was like, this anxiety, I can't anymore. I'm done with it. She prophesied over me and she blessed me. And she was like, Becca, I want you to repeat after me. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. And so she's like, just repeat after me, Jesus. I was like, Jesus, take this mess. Take this mess. I give it all to you. Now, what do you want me to do in return for you, for you taking this mess? And my face hit this floor. I was feeling so overwhelmed by the love and the grace of God, the the big, oh, daddy hug. You know how it feels whenever you go and you haven't seen your daddy for a long time and he just gives you that big old hug? It's exactly what it felt like. I was like, Lord Jesus, you are my good, good father. And I came back from camp and I saw all the things that was still going on and I was like, God... You still reign in this area. You are still a good, good father that you promised. You are a good, good father in my parents' hearts and in my aunt and uncle's hearts and in my brother's hearts and in these kids' hearts. And you still reign and he is still good. And every single one of these kids, and I want to bless every single one of y'all that you are marked and you are made in the image of God. And he has placed a seal on his arm just for every single one of us. So even though you may have not gone to camp, they're still next year. (laughs) We do this every year and we call it family camp. It's not youth camp. It's family camp. No matter how young you are or how old you are, kids can minister into old people's lives and older people can minister into young people's lives. Let's go, y'all. He's not done. He is not done. Thanks, Ben. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? I went to camp, too. (laughs) Um, It was an awesome time. And you heard all these testimonies. There's all kinds of amazing stuff. Of course, you know, last night we worshiped forever and just had that amazing time, uh, just in God's presence. Uh, personally, uh, personally for me, uh, it was just a, an honor and a blessing to be able to, to minister there and be able to pour into people's lives. Um, I'll tell one story about a young person that's not here. I don't even know what church they go to. Uh, because, uh, you know, that night we did, they, they all mentioned the prophetic night. So to me, that was a very powerful night is they invited all of us leaders up front. We got to pair with our spouse if they were there or they paired us off with somebody else if the spouse was not there. So Ashley and I got to pray and then they just said, okay, line up in front of someone and then we're supposed to give them a prophetic word. 
I mean, I told Pastor Jared afterwards, like, like this, my first reaction is always, oh man. I mean, I know you all think that the pastor should be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like going, oh man, oh, I gotta do this again. Oh. <laughs> and Ashley looks at me like, oh man, we gotta do this. I'm like, like, you go ahead, you go ahead. <laughs> you know, cause you all notice that everybody is here, then Ashley prayed for me, and then Ashley prayed for me. It's happened my whole marriage, and then Ashley, and then Ashley prayed for me, and everything was fine. Uh, <laughs> so, so, anyway, it was such a powerful time. God just gave us. It, uh, we've never really teamed up like that. So to me, that was a special moment where my wife and I prophesied together. We would pray, and then she'd look at me like, "You go first. I'm like, "No, you go first." Like, <laughs> they need to hear from Ashley. Okay. <laughs> You all know it's true. That's why you're laughing, right? You all know it's, this is like, it's the reality. So most of the time she made me go first. So it's like, okay, I'm going to have to get something from God. And so he was faithful. He just gave me these words and like people just start crying right away. I'm like, I guess that was the right word or it was the worst word. It was either the really right word or really wrong word. Okay. So we had this one young man come up to us. And uh, he he's like, I already went to somebody else. <laughs> but shh, I don't want to give his name away. <laughs> so he's like, uh, yeah, I went to somebody else, but I just I just want to get an extra. I said, all right. So uh, we pray and we we share something with him. And he's like, all right, all right, that's cool. And he's like, man, there's just something holding me back. I feel like there's like a string or something on my back holding me holding me back. And, uh, so we asked him a couple more questions and there was like kind of an issue with his dad. And so said, okay, I just, I just whispered to Ashley, like, hey, so, 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 <laughs> so, you know, so she leads him through some forgiveness and this is basically so, so ministry. If you haven't heard of it, just ask Dave right here. Raise your hand, Dave. Talk to Dave if you have questions. Okay. So, same thing with you. That was, that was so, so, a uh, great exchange. Um, and so, we just lead him through this thing, and so leading him through forgiveness and all this stuff and some other personal things, we'll just leave out of this. And so, then when we're done, what we do is we say, okay, God, we're, we're gonna have you give this to, to the Lord. And so we do the same thing that Becca was just saying. Okay, Lord, I, Jesus, I give you this, and what would you give me in return? And this is one of the funnest sozos, David, because it's so awesome. And he, we're like, did, did God give you something? He's like, yeah, he gave me the string. <laughs> and he just started crying and weeping uh, because he knew he was free. So that was, that was awesome. So, man. So as you can see, God spoke and did amazing things at camp. Uh, I'm just going to, I know we're over time, but don't worry about it. Hopefully Ashley doesn't come in and say and save us again. Okay, for the kiddos. She will. She did it. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I just want to touch on a few things that was spoken throughout camp. Um, one of which I thought was really powerful, and Becca mentioned it, is words create worlds and i've heard that phrase before and some of you might have as well but it never hit me like it did this week and uh 
I was joking with Becca when I was like, hey, the sewage system messed up. We're going to have to, like, figure out games. And then, lo and behold, like, first full day of camp, the sewage system messed up right before evening worship. And we had to, like, move all the sound equipment or some of the sound equipment to a different building and kind of just go on the fly, which was so awesome to watch, like, senior leadership because the worship pastor, Pastor Jared and Christy and John, they were all like, God's about to do something. God's about to do something. When stuff like this happens and the enemy's like messing up stuff or just nothing's going right, that means God's about to do something. And that was a very powerful night. Uh, the speaker literally just like took her notes and was like, get these out of here because God's saying this. And just go like off the cuff, Holy Spirit-led message. It was awesome. Okay, and I love it when I can watch like a speaker just be led by the, sp- the Spirit of the Lord. So, um her name was Whitney Witt. She was, she's currently in school at Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry. So she was awesome. She did a fantastic job this week. Um, so just want to share with you some things that we learned in the adult class that I thought were super powerful. He taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in such a way from a Messianic rabbi perspective that I had never learned. And I'm not going to go into all of the feasts and everything that he explains. Um, I do have the notes that I can make copies of. Um, and I can get you his teachings off of his website and get them to you. But one thing that really struck me is, you know the story of Moses, and you know that when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God gave Moses the instruction about the tabernacle. Okay, and this was like a tent that they would set up everywhere they would stop, and it was to have the the presence of God there, and it would rest there, right? When they dedicated the tabernacle... They anointed it and they had sacrifices and then fire would fall on the tabernacle. The first time it was anointed, it fell, anointing it as like the dwelling place of God's spirit, right? And so he taught us, and I didn't know this either, um, still learning, that, uh, go quick, I promise, or not, just deal with it. Um. that in the Old Testament, prophets, kings, and priests were the only people who had access to the Holy Spirit. That was it. Prophets, kings, and priests. I didn't know that. I thought it was just the priests. But then I remember like Elijah and King David and stuff says like the Holy Spirit came upon him. I was like, still learning. All right. But in the New Testament, you remember when Jesus died, the veil is torn, and now he gives us the helper, the Holy Spirit. In Solomon's temple, when they like made the physical temple in Jerusalem, they do this huge festival. Solomon's going to anoint the temple. And what happens? They make the sacrifice and fire falls on the temple, the place where God's spirit will dwell. And then Jesus comes and he walks in the spirit, led by himself, God, right? And he walks in power and he tells us, Greater things you will do, and it's better that I go so that I can send the helper. And he commands the uh, the 120 people, which I didn't know this, the number 120 in the Hebrew is double portion. And so 120 people are going to get a double portion of what the old covenant had to offer in the new covenant. Okay, so he commands, hey, not suggest, commands, you go and wait. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so they go to the upper room, which wasn't like 
some lady's house, you know, the upstairs, it was a part of the actual temple, which they would have like the open court. And then in the wall, they would have these like balconies type things. And they were called the upper room in Herod's temple. And so all these 120 people are there during the day of Pentecost, which is a feast, a Jewish feast. So everybody is at the temple worshiping, celebrating the day of Pentecost, which is a, is a harvest feast of barley or wheat. One of the two. It's either the harvest of barley or the harvest of wheat. Barley. Thank you. Oh, Don's a Hebrew guy. He knows all this. <laughs> and so the, everybody's there. The whole known world, all the Jewish people are there. And then in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God blows like a mighty rushing wind. And what comes down? Tongues of fire on each person there. Because God was not just in a physical geographical location anymore. But his spirit would come upon each believer upon them, not just in them, but upon them, anointing them to be his dwelling place. They were marked by fire to be the dwelling place of God. And this week we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that sometimes we can have the evidence of tongues. It's a spiritual gift. Talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Go there if you're, if you're still a little leery about this. It's in the Word of God. The evidence of tongues. And Pastor Bruce put it in such a way that I had never connected before. And I was so appreciative of this because tongues has been something I use Something I pray with, but I don't really know why. Even though, like, I've ex- it's all experience for me. I don't really have like a firm foundation of scripture for tongues until this moment. Where, he, and I know I'm like I'm youth pastor. You guys have me on staff here, <laughs> Four Square Church, baby. <laughs> Still learning. <laughs> Still learning. <laughs> yeah, we're talking. <laughs> it's taking me to lunch. You guys. <laughs> like, brother, you need some help. <laughs> But I use tongues. I, I pray in my prayer language, right? And I didn't understand why. And so why tongues? Why this weird thing that tongues, you know, and I'm pretty much quoting Pastor Bruce right now. So I'm just going to give him all the credit for this stuff. Um, but he goes and he says in James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read this for you and then I'm going to close. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly, strictly. And do we all make many mistakes for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We make large, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn whichever way the pilot chooses to go. And even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire itself. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. How many of you wish you could just... Oh, I wish I had that back. I wish I never said that. 
I wish I just kept my mouth shut. Or I wish I would have said something. I wish I would have spoke up in that moment and went to their defense. God gives the gift of tongues so that he can control our mouths and therefore control us and lead us in the spirit. It is a point of surrenderance and we give him the direction, the things that steer our life just like a boat or steer the horse. We're saying, God, you put the bit in my mouth and you lead. So good. I never saw this before. Never saw it. And I'm like, Lord, I get tongues now. Should I buy the Honda? Let's go. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I get it. Because for me, I've always talked about like, you know, James talks about if you consider yourselves righteous, but you cannot keep a tight ring on your tongue, your religion is worthless and you deceive yourselves. That's in chapter one. So I was like, man, like that's not just about cussing. It's not just about coarse jokes or talking dirty. It's about a surrenderance of the direction of your life and the control of your life. And God says, I want to mark you by fire and anoint you to be my spirit's dwelling place. But because of my spirit in you, I also want to have control of where you go and what you say and what you do. I want you to surrender it all to me. And I'm going to give you a gift that's going to allow me to steer and direct your life. And this is the gift of tongues. And it's not just for that one time action there in the day of Pentecost when they're sitting there and the fire falls and then they all start speaking in tongues. And the great multitude in the temple says, I heard them praising God in my own language. And so many people today will tell you that's that was a one time deal. This is again, Bruce. That was a one time deal so that everybody there could hear the gospel. But like Bruce said, what were they actually saying? Praises. That's not the gospel. That's just praising God. It was a surrenderance and it's a gift that God gives us so that we can surrender our lives to him. And so this week we prayed for, for, I prayed boldly for the first time as a, as a, as a pastor of a Pentecostal church, as a four square minister, I prayed boldly for his child to receive the gift of tongues because I finally understood, man, this is good for you. It's not just this weird thing that we do, but it's something that God can use to steer and control and help guide you in your walk with him. It's an evidence of the spirit of God, which is a seal, which guarantees that you've Ephesians chapter one, you've been adopted into the family of God and he's given you the seal of the Holy Spirit to guarantee your inheritance that you would walk with him and you are co-heir of Christ, that you are worthy and that you are without fault, holy in the sight of God, Ephesians 1, 3. That God has the great exchange. You've given him your sin and he's given you his righteousness. And the spirit of God is evidence of that. Amen? And so if you haven't received your prayer language or you haven't been baptized by fire, come talk to us. Today. 
Come talk to one of these students who got, who got their evidence of tongues. And we will pray over you that you would get baptized in fire. That you would be anointed for the Spirit of God to dwell in you. And that you would surrender your life and give over the control to Him. And that He would give you the gift of tongues. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Thank you, everybody. If you want to take one of the students out for lunch, please do so. Don't forget that we have family promise to set up for just following this. So uh, pray in tongues as he takes control and you go help out and family promise. And um, I'm serious. If you want prayer, you come see me. You guys be blessed. Have a great Sunday. Amen.